This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Discovery, a program that introduces listeners to new ideas, creative thinking, and companies doing great things in the podcast space. I'm your host, Cal Steiger. Each week, we choose from a range of podcasts that are either submitted to us or we find. If you'd like to hear your podcast broadcast, please send us an email to info at 1059theregion.com and we'll be in touch. This week, we're heading back to the world of public relations and specifically to Coldwater Communications Deep Dive, which is a series we've sampled earlier this year. Coldwater Communications receives numerous questions from prospective clients, people considering a career in PR, or those simply curious about the industry each week. In the final episode of the season, multiple members of Coldwater's diverse team answer 10 of those questions, providing more clarity on how Coldwater negotiates the vast field of public relations while also revealing some of the personalities of these PR professionals. Have a listen to Ask Us Anything on Discovery. Navigating a public image can be challenging. Whether you're building a brand, rebuilding your reputation, or just trying to get on the radar, you need the public to trust you. But does the public trust anyone anymore? And has it ever trusted public relations? Welcome to Deep Dive, powered by Coldwater Communications. I'm Tamara Stanners. Over the course of this season, we've explored a number of compelling topics affecting the public relations industry. Reputation. Trust levels. Definitional problems. Crisis communications. Ethical practice. AI algorithms. Being canceled. Actually doing the work than when you're just checking the box. Highly informed professionals have helped us navigate important conversations on complicated subjects like ethics, the future of media, and crisis management. Some of those discussions have involved members of the Coldwater Communications team, which is much larger and more diverse than you might know. So for our final episode of the season, we want to further showcase the Coldwater team using a slightly different approach. Every week, Coldwater receives numerous questions from prospective clients, people considering a career in PR, or those simply curious about the industry. So, we used 10 of those questions to create an Ask Me Anything edition of Deep Dive with Coldwater founder Theodora Jean and multiple members of the Coldwater team. The result is a wide-ranging conversation that not only provides more clarity on how Coldwater negotiates the vast field of public relations, but also allows you to get to know the team a little better. I can't live without coffee. Love it. You can always depend on Chris to make the best jokes. So true. Salt and vinegar chips. Like I'm burning holes in my entire mouth with this. <laughs> Question one. Okay, let's dive in. We often meet prospective clients whose lines of business focus on a single sector or industry and they're wrestling with whether they should choose a PR agency that specializes solely in their sector or if they should go with an agency like ours that works across several sectors. This is a question we get a lot. So I'm here with Nella Goyevich, our Director of Accounts and Business Development. Nella, I know this question has come up many times in our client discovery calls together. So what would you say to somebody in this situation? It really has come up many times. And realistically, this depends on who your audiences are. If you work in a specific sector and you want to get the attention of just that community, then maybe a specialized agency is the way to go. 
But more often than not, a client's stakeholders reach far beyond just one industry group. And that's where a cross-disciplinary agency like Coldwater puts a client at an advantage because we're not only going to employ PR tactics to reach your industry, we're going to use a strategy to really tease out those parts of the story that are relevant to other target audiences that you need on your side to achieve broader business goals. So for example, a client that recognizes that to reach their broader business goals, they not only need to build their reputations within their industry community, but perhaps also among their target clientele, or perhaps by grabbing the attention of policymakers and so on. So we tug on these multiple story threads, depending on what the campaign objectives are. So I'd say an agency like ours that works across industries and sectors ultimately opens up our clients to greater PR opportunities, if I could be so bold as to say so. Question two. As obvious as it may seem, question two comes up a lot. We're often asked if we have strong relationships with members of the media. And honestly, we wouldn't be able to do what we do if we didn't. But that's only part of the puzzle. The media landscape has changed and continues to evolve, and clients want to connect with their audiences on multiple platforms. Anne-Marie Scanlon, given that you're our PR coordinator and support a lot of our media outreach, do you want to answer this one? Absolutely. Thanks, Theo. So newsrooms are constantly evolving and more and more people are working in freelance. So the dynamics have changed. As a result, building relationships with journalists has become even more critical in today's media landscape. And I want to add that media lists are also no longer limited to traditional media outlets like newspapers, radio, TV stations. They, they now include podcasts, blogs, social media influencers and other platforms that are gaining prominence. So I think as a PR team, we already have some really great established relationships with journalists across the country. And we're fortunate that even if we don't have these existing connections, we have really powerful tools that allow us to identify and engage with reporters who may be interested in our story. So this all allows us to really effectively navigate the changing media landscape and ensure that our stories reach the right audience. Question three. Part of what we do at Coldwater is generating earned media for our clients, but part of that process is analyzing whether a story is actually newsworthy. Chris Malmo is our Director of Accounts and Business Development and a former tech reporter. What would you say to a prospective client who asks you if their story is newsworthy? Thank you, Theo. That is a great question. So there's a lot of elements that go into any news story that kind of all combine together to make it newsworthy. You don't need all of these things I'm about to list in your story, but you usually need a few or at least a connection to other developments that are already in the news and have these newsworthy aspects. So number one is timeliness. Stories that are current, happening now, are obviously going to generate more press. Number two is the size of the impact stories that have a significant impact on a larger number of people are generally going to be more interesting to news desks. Now, this isn't always the case for client stories, but usually there's a connection with a client story to a big impact piece that's already in the news. Number three is proximity. People always want to know what is happening around them and learn what's going to affect their daily lives. Number four, human interest. So character stories, whether that's you know telling about how you founded your company in a garage or about the people that you're helping. 
if you can bring out those human interest pieces, then you are in business. Number five is conflict and controversy. It's always newsworthy. It's not always advisable to jam yourself into these political debates or controversial issues. But this depends on your issue and really how much your position on it resonates with your target audience and lines up with your larger goals. Number six is unusualness. So stories that are unexpected. The usual joke about news stories is it is dog bites man is the headline. Well, if your headline is man bites dog, then that is surprising, out of the ordinary, and more likely to get picked up. Number seven, prominence, authority, celebrity. These things always attract more attention. So for profile building and thought leadership, you know, you may not be a celebrity, but you're probably an expert, especially in your story. So positioning yourself as available to comment to the news can be a way to uh, work your way into a cycle. Number eight, stories that have an impact on the economy or business, generally a good thing. And number nine, novelty and innovation. Stories that involve new ideas, technologies, things like that. They're just generally newsworthy due to their potential to change things up. So you've got a story, it ticks some of these boxes. You also need some resources to kind of bring it to the bigger story market. So the components that you'll need are really starting with good planning, solid strategy that outlines your goals, your target audiences, tactics, timelines, and your key messaging. After that, we'll build you a pitch customized to each reporter on media list of people who are actually going to care about your story. Pitches are basically just uh, reach-out communications that capture the essence of what it is you're trying to say and communicate why it deserves to be news. You'll also want to assemble a folder of media assets, pictures, video, B-roll, short backgrounders, things like that if you have them. That helps people put your story into the news in a more engaging way. You also need to designate a spokesperson who will be available on short notice and ideally a backup spokesperson. And then you are ready to pitch, pitch, pitch. Question four. Fiona, this next question is for you. So media training is one of those things that clients are most open to ahead of a scheduled media opportunity, but it's not always something that's prioritized in the interim. Clients often wonder if they really need media training, and we're fortunate to have the one and only Fiona Forbes as our resident media trainer. So Fiona, I'd love for you to answer question four, which asks if a client should prioritize media training. Yes, that is the answer. You should prioritize media training. End of story. If you've got one person on your team that's media trained, you're golden. So if an opportunity comes up, you can immediately say yes and not pause and lose it. Because when people are working in newsrooms, they're working in media, they are working on tight deadlines. And if you hesitate just a moment or don't answer that email right away because you're too nervous because somebody's going to bring a camera to your office to talk about exactly what you want to talk about and you're not ready for it, you won't get that opportunity and you can't turn back time on that. A lot of people think media training is just for people who are on camera, for television, or in front of the mic, for radio, or even for print, but there are many aspects of it that we uh, can offer to people. Uh, your CEO training for a talk, uh, someone in your company, you want to elevate them professionally and promote them, presentations. If they have media training and people on your team have media training internally you have somebody who can be on camera at the ready anytime for any topic 
It's being ready. It's being game day ready to get your key messaging out there every single time. So when we take clients on, we always offer media training as part of our services and we try and get that done out of the gate. And we've seen the differences with our clients. One client had a product that they wanted placement of, but getting product placement is extremely difficult in media because it can come across as advertorial no matter how good your product is or how much consumers will want it. Because media is suffering with advertising, it will get flipped to their marketing department in a second, in a heartbeat. But having a client on the ready, which we did, who wanted to get their product placed, we managed to do that for them. And the interview went extremely well. Every piece of key messaging they got on the table. And it's not just about knowing your key messaging. It's about being confident in delivering it and sounding like a voice of authority because you've got that moment in time where you're in front of a camera or a microphone or getting a print interview so that you know how to make yourself interesting, your messaging on point. There are so many tips and tricks that are extremely simple things. But if you're ready with media training, you won't miss that opportunity. And we all know proximity leads to opportunity. And if you're going to go to all the trouble of hiring a PR firm like Coldwater, but you're not doing the media training, it's missing an important piece of the puzzle. It's a game changer. That's all I can say. I do it all the time for myself, even though I am a television personality. All the things I teach people are things I practice myself all the time. Somebody explained it to me. They were talking about actors, but it really is the same thing. It's like an athlete training for their sport. You wouldn't not train. And this is part of the training if you want to get press media placement for you, your company, or your product. Question five. So Anne-Marie, please help me answer this next one, along with Liv Hung, who is one of our senior strategic PR consultants. Question five is how do we measure the impact of our work? Anne-Marie, would you like to go first? Sure. Thanks, Theo. What we're finding these days is monitoring has expanded beyond traditional media outlets, meaning news outlets, broadcast, and radio. And we also captured data from social media because that's where people are talking about media coverage and sharing it. It's not uncommon for people to send each other articles on Facebook. And we're finding it's very crucial to measure the ripple effect by capturing metrics such as reach, impressions, and sentiment from social media. This all allows us to gain insights into how our media coverage is being received and shared. And it helps us assess the impact of our efforts and how they go beyond traditional media channels. Liv, what do you think? As Emery just touched on, it's really important that we do measure the impact of our work in the campaigns that we help our clients run. And we have a suite of fairly sophisticated analytics tools. But not only that, we have the skill sets to understand what the story that data is trying to tell us. And that will help us give strategic guidance back to our clients to plan sort of the next steps. So not only looking at vanity metrics and output metrics, but as Anne-Marie spoke about, we're looking at engagement metrics so that we understand if people are sharing articles, if people are liking and commenting on them. So I think it's really important to round out the story of the data with qualitative analysis as well. So that would be looking at comments or feedback from customers and sort of the quality as well of the media that we've earned and 
doing a content analysis might be a really great way to do that. We have full capabilities to help our clients with that too. So these are just some of the ways that we can measure the impact and looking at the share of voice that we're helping our clients gain with our work. Question six. Leading up to this episode, we put a call out to social media for questions. And one person asked us how a small business, especially in a B2B space, can benefit from a PR strategy, noting that it's easy to assume that PR is only for bigger companies and or B2C companies. Liv, what do you think? Well, at the heart of it, strategic public relations is really about building relationships. And I think that's applicable whether you are a small organization or if you're B2C, if you're a nonprofit or a large commercial entity. So building strong relationships is what enables success in all organizations. So whether those relationships are with media or other stakeholders, such as policymakers and government, your employees or customers, it's all still very relevant. And ultimately, you want to have a cohesive public relations strategy that tie into your organization's mission and purpose. And that in turn will help strengthen all of these relationships. And going back to measuring, our results that are produced can be tied to specific KPIs and other performance indicators. And we can help identify those as well, what those might be and how to measure them. So in short answer, yes, I think strategic public relations is beneficial no matter the sector or the size of your organization. Question seven. I know that choosing the right PR agency and the right team can be a difficult decision. So when a client commits to working with us on a retainer, there can be some fear around what happens if their communications needs change from the originally agreed upon scope of work. For example, they sign on for media relations support and then they find that they also need social media or maybe media relations becomes less of a priority down the line and they want to tap into influencers, for example. Nella, what would you say to someone who is worried about committing to a PR agency retainer when they're not sure what their communications needs may look like in, say, six or 12 months from now? Obviously, a lot of business and financial planning needs to be done before deciding to outsource your PR to an agency. However, what I think people should bear in mind is that at least with our team, we very much integrate ourselves into your structure and we often become a part of our clients' teams. And the first thing we do with every retainer client is a strategy session. And this is really where we help you map out your PR objectives based on your overarching business objectives. And then we recommend tactics. So naturally, as your business evolves, your PR needs evolve as well. And truly the best way to address these changes is when you're already on the ground and you already have an understanding of the landscape. So your analysis of its shifts are going to be that much more informed, which is one of the reasons we have a lot of success working on retainer. But beyond that, we obviously have to have the resources to service any new needs and do so strategically. And that's why I think our agency's business model adds so much value because it allows us to seamlessly scale up or down. Coldwater is actually a collective of subject matter expert consultants guided by a full-time leadership team. So say crisis communication wasn't part of your scope of work, but a crisis occurs. No problem. We'll bring in our crisis consultant. Same goes for media training or influencer marketing and so on. And at the end of the day, if there's a need for services we don't offer, like creative development, we have trusted agency partners we work with who can also seamlessly be brought into the fold. So it's a really flexible model that essentially supports us to have our clients' backs. And ultimately, that's what truly matters. Question eight. 
Are there any industries or sectors that we don't work with? You know, I think this is an awesome question. So I'd like to get one common misconception out of the way. We don't do reputation management for, let's call it, bad people who get into trouble. So some people think that this is mostly what public relations is. You know, one, it's not. And two, we're probably not going to work with you if you fit this description. Thankfully, this doesn't happen very often. So with that out of the way, what we do use our talents for is not to bury bad stories, but to get more attention to good stories. Like Nella has said, we're a cross-sector agency, and thanks to the experience profile of our diverse team, we can handle almost any client from arts to books to science to technology to nonprofit, even government. So really what we like to focus our work on is public relations for good, whether that's driving you know, progress in the arts, society, the economy, the environment. If you're a mission-driven organization, then we want to work with you. Your company or your organization doesn't have to be solving every problem under the sun. But, you know, what makes us excited is when you're solving real problems for real people and creating real value for society in some way. You know, it's great that we all do it in our own way. Question nine. I'm particularly proud of how diverse our team is and their skill sets and strengths. And I'd like all of you to tell our listeners, who are your dream clients? So let's start with you, Fiona. Oh, my dream clients. Well, I specialize in media training and my dream clients are the ones who recognize how key that is to their company, their business, their product, whatever it is that they're coming to cold water for, it can make things so much better in the end game. Because when you're trying to get media, it's so difficult to get media placement and you don't get to go back if you're not happy with what you've said on television, on radio, in print. And, you know, years ago, it would be a blip on the six o'clock news, you know, a line or two in the daily newspaper. Yes, we had newspapers, but now everything we do is on the internet forever. So my dream clients are the ones that recognize how important getting their key messaging on point for their entire team if they're going to be facing the media. For me, that is, it's just a game changer for every client that we've put through, not just with me, but for anybody who media trains. The clients who do media training before they are in front of the media, not after they've done something they regret, are dream clients. Because that means they're taking their time seriously, their team's time seriously, and our time seriously. So it's money well spent all round. Couldn't agree more, Fiona. Thank you. Anne-Marie, who is your dream client? What I love most about our clients, first of all, is that they're all different and there's always an opportunity to learn something. So I love a client who is maybe a bit different than have traditionally aligned my interests with. So I always feel so comfortable with clients in the arts. But when I have a client who is in the science sphere or the business sphere, I just feel like I get to learn so much. And I love that about them. I'm learning all the time and it's wonderful. So that would be my dream client, someone who I get to learn from and who challenges me in different ways. Wonderful. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Chris, what about you? Who are your dream clients? My dream client is the listener of this podcast. But uh, (laughs) more seriously, I like clients who, yeah, they're doing big things. They are changing the world for the better. I'm a big 
animal fan. So anyone who's involved in keeping animals around for us to look at and hang out with is a big plus in my books. So Liv, who is your dream client? Dream client for me would be someone who really values what we bring to the table and that we can work together in a real true authentic partnership, you know, where we're aligned with what they're doing and they're open to our feedback and our advice. And even if sometimes that advice is hard advice to give, a dream client would be someone who is understanding of that strategic value that we bring. Agreed. Thank you, Liv. Nella, what about you? My dream client, I think, is like Liv, a client that understands the strategic value of PR. I think that when we're integrated into an organization and we get to really take on a lot more of their comms functions, that's where it really gives you the chance to create lasting impact. But in terms of sector, definitely large arts organizations are where my heart is. I grew up in a really artistic family and I'm pretty artistic myself. And I think that arts are kind of at the heart of culture and healing and humanity. I won't go on, but I definitely love working with clients in the arts. And that's not to take away from clients in other sectors. I'm also really passionate about diversity and equity and inclusion and business innovation and so on. But Got a soft spot for the arts orgs for sure. Question 10. Theo, coming to the end of this episode, question 10, I think is one that all of our listeners would like to know. Do you think there's going to be another season of Deep Dive? Ooh, that's a good question. The short answer is we don't know. We're really busy serving our clients right now, and we've really enjoyed having a podcast. I've loved our experience working with Everything Podcasts, and I'm definitely open to doing more episodes down the road. So I'd like to leave that door open. Never say never. Yeah. (laughs) If you could see behind the scenes right now, my computer is perched on a spaghetti pot. (laughs) (laughs) You're making it look fabulous. I mean it. You can always depend on Theo to support you. I agree. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Theodora, and all of the Coldwater team members for those informative and candid answers. What a perfect way to wrap up the season of Deep Dive. Though we're pressing pause on this podcast, we're keenly aware that the questions will keep coming. If you have an inquiry about how Coldwater Communications can help you or your business, you can contact the team at coldwater-communications.ca. Thank you for listening to Deep Dive. Powered by Coldwater Communications. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Coldwater Communications is a female-founded and led integrated communications collective specializing in media and public relations, brand strategy, corporate communications, and thought leadership. Found on the core principle that public relations should be used as a tool for good and a driver of social change, they thrive on helping clients meet complex challenges in the area of social, economic, and environmental justice. For more of their year-long podcast series, look for Deep Dive wherever you access your favorite podcasts. That's our app for this week. I'm Cal Steiger, and I look forward to sharing more from the world of podcasting next week, right here on 105.9 The Region. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. 
send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.